Welcome to Black and White Movies. I'm Jared and I'm Danielle. And this is where we discuss two movies that are thematically bonded to one another or have some other connective tissue that warrants examination. We are your guides to this conversation. Today we are discussing 1992's Malcolm X and 2019's Joker. So, uh, Danielle, why don't you start off and give us a quick synopsis of Joker. Forever alone in a crowd felt comedian. Are wait, this... wait, wait. Are you reading this <laughs> offline off Come of some on, website? Stop. Don't do I that told you to we me. have to write unique two to three I sentence am. introductions. I am. I'm going to tag it. Please forgive me. I'm in the midst of making a movie right now, and I'm busy. Humble brag. Okay. Forever alone in the crowd, failed comedian Arthur Flick seeks a connection as he walks through the streets of Gotham. Arthur wears two masks. One he paints for his day job as a clown, and the other, guys, he he projects in a futile attempt to feel like he's a part of the world around him. Isolated, bullied, disregarded by society, Flick begins a slow descent into madness as he transforms into criminal mastermind known as Joker. Wow. Okay, so that's a great original uh, synopsis of the biopic about Joker. Now I will summarize the biopic about Malcolm X. And Malcolm X is a Spike Lee joint about Malcolm X, starring Denzel Washington as the black Muslim leader. And this movie more or less follows the major events of the man's life, kind of in a, in a series of three periods of his life. And so if you don't know anything about Malcolm X, sure, this is a great introduction uh, to the man. And it's also just a good Spike Lee uh, movie. Yes, um, it is. I think it would be best to probably talk about the joker first mm -hmm. um and here's why i'm gonna qualify this because it seems like a weird mashup but i think it is a the only way we're gonna have to go forward in our podcast which is finding things similarities where they don't exist oh. because of uh the lack of putting things on equal footing in this business so we don't get to see an asian joker or a black joker we we get to see the white joker right well both movies are controversial when they came out for different reasons and this movie e even if you try not to watch uh trailers or read think piece articles people are giving you a lot of ideas of what this movie is before you even go into it uh that it would incite uh, white supremacist violence or mental health related violence is one thing going into it i tried to avoid all that and just go in to see a movie how about you I tweeted you um, this month, probably before it came out, right? And I was there for it from the beginning, just on the fact that I loved Batman from back in the 90s, right? I think for sure that I was there for it just for that purpose. I've always been, you know, into the Joker as a character from uh, the TV series. Yes, I will tell my age in a moment, all the way up until uh, now. Yeah. And so I was interesting on this take. Uh, of the Joker, and I've seen every Batman film in, in rendition, and why not follow this kind of off offset of this breakout piece of that world, the Gotham world, which was always very fascinating. I definitely, as a youth, enjoyed the, the Adam West series, and I enjoyed the Tim Burton films, but then that kind of fell off after that for me. I look at Batman now as just kind of like a rich brat who could do a lot better things with his money like than you know putting on a costume and getting these high gear toys to eat up small time robbers and drug dealers and stuff and th but this movie kind of highlighted that because they show you 
the what Wayne Enterprises does to this city, and you kind of see the rot the city's fall, falling into with a garbage strike, and the class struggle between rich and poor people is the constant backdrop to this movie. Which I like that message because to me, Bruce Wayne, uh, and it, by and by extension, his father and Wayne Industries, if maybe if they had saved the social services of this city, you wouldn't have uh, a Joker. Well. I think that this, the reason why I was always so interested in Gotham was because it is so very, you know, of course it's taken after New York City, but it could probably be any city USA with these type of oppressive and inequalities in the the wealthy, the, the very high, high rich, and then mm-hmm. there's those that, that you throw away. So it could have been Chicago, it could have been LA. Coming out of Gotham, it speaks to now the extreme wealth inequality, throwing away, like let's say, go with the homeless, right? So anybody who people don't deem as worthy of being a part of this society, it speaks to that sentiment. Now, do I think that, you know, the rich are going to come and save us all? Hell no. Hell yeah. no, nor should they. I don't believe in billionaires at all. Right? Like if someone had just taxed Wayne Industries more, they could have had some social services in that city and paid the garbage people. Yeah, that's that's probably a very uh, simplistic way of, of, of thinking about it. So uh, I think it's an oversimplified version. I think it's a good, good way uh, to look at it. You know, It's, 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 a, it's one it's way to look at it. Tax the rich or... I think that you have a choice, tax the rich or kill the rich, as this movie posits. That's very black and white, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, because um, people are more complex than that, and I think that we should give it more thought. For me, I don't give permission. I, I didn't, I maybe I chose not to see it as, you know, giving white, per, white supremacists permission yeah. <laughs> to do anything. I thought it was very dangerous considering... Yeah. Um, the amount of mass murders that are going on, uh, white kids killing uh, uh, <laughs> each other yeah. in schools, which they never, ever say that a white kid did it, right? They, yeah. <laughs> they never say that, like, which is crazy to me. But um, so for me, it, it seems to be a little bit neglectful. Oh, but, the Joker movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't look to movies to have that kind of responsibility. And I like... I like the way violence was portrayed in this movie because there wasn't a lot of instances of violence, but the violence was portrayed as realistic in the sense that it was stark, heavy, and they had a human impact to it. Others have compared it to John Wick, where the, the murder count is way higher, but there's no um, impact to the there's murder. There's no emotional connection. Well, that's why it's dangerous, right? Because you kill somebody that I've met, yeah. that I know, right? That's going to hurt me. You know, if I see people yeah. uh, killed on the news, I'm like, oh, that's sad. Yeah. Right. But if I knew them, I'm like, oh, my God, that was John. He used to go running by every morning like that means something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, for him to choose who he killed in this movie, yeah. that is actually what made it dangerous. Yeah. Not the fact that it was random because it wasn't random. Right. It was it was selective and it was reactive. He was killing people based on what he saw as personal slights against him and. Yeah, and that's not kind of that's kind of not how you do that, right? We teach our yeah. children. I teach my son <laughs> that yeah. you have to find a better way. We're humans on this planet in an experience, and you don't you don't do that. You don't yeah. you don't kill people. That's kind of 
One now, of the main things you don't do. So far, I don't think this film has inspired any murders. And I didn't see this as the sto- what they were front-loading all the talk about of this being white supremacist violence. For wh- everything Joker was, he wasn't a racist at all in this movie. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, but And what it was highlighting, which is definitely in the Batman universe, is mental health issues. Like, Batman is front-loaded with the mythology of Arkham Asylum. All their villains always had a flavor of mental health issues, and they didn't end up in prison. They ended up in Arkham Asylum, a mental health institution. So it was fitting that, that he dealt with... they've closed all down now. Yeah. yeah, if Ronald Reagan was in Gotham, he would have closed them all, and right. they would just be in a regular prison. Well, I, I just have to take it a step back. Um, just because they didn't, you know, it didn't inspire or incite any murders or that it did not um, overtly target anybody in the movie that that he that deemed to be racist him being allowed to get away with it is the part where it's dangerous and that's the point of mm-hmm. it being <laughs> appealing to white supremacists right uh-huh. because now i can get away with these things yeah. which if it was you know our, our buddy eric over here um or somebody else there's no way like malcolm yeah. x can't get away with this he couldn't even suggest by any means necessary protecting yourself and your family yeah. Yeah. right and so that is where the difference lies. Yeah. Now, I, th- I think this movie is saying something about class, though, and uh, the social is. economic conditions of you have mentally un- uh, unhealthy people who, instead of getting social services, they get driven to have no options. And the Joker even articulates that he doesn't have a big point. Others in the film are following him and being inspired by them, it's implied. Some of that's in his own mental psychosis. But I think while he is inspiring a populist-level class struggle. He himself, um, when he's on the uh, Murray Franklin show, he pretty Mm -hmm. much says, "Uh, this isn't, I don't have any larger point. And he kills his mother because his mother had slighted him and abused him. You think so? You think that's why he did that? Well, he killed his mom because his mom abused him. And then he killed Murray Franklin because Murray Franklin, a man he idolized, made fun of him. And that's what finally broke him. I think he killed his mom for a different reason. I think that might have been a piece of it. You always see these mass murderers. They always kill people at home first, right? Okay. It's almost as if they can't bear to leave anybody to watch what they're about to do. Okay. And so even though he probably resented his mom, he probably didn't want to further be seen as bad in her eyes. You know, and so he put her out of her misery so not to watch the terror he was about to go on. You probably are right, and maybe I'm right too. It's an interesting way to look at it, but I think what undercuts that point is when the other clowns, the one who sold him the gun, and then the little person clown are in his apartment. Mm -hmm. He he chose to kill the man who had given him the gun because that man had lied about him at work and, um, and made fun of him, but he didn't kill the little person. And if he's being this calculated killer who has a grand scheme, that that's a witness right there. He definitely would have killed him. But the fact he let him go shows shows that this is a really personal, emotional thing for him, and he's not necessarily thinking in a calculated way. Well, that kind of proves my point, doesn't it? That kind of proves the point that says that he wouldn't want his mom to see that. Like, I think we're uh, we're attributing thoughts in mm-hmm. a, in a, a person who has mental problems, yeah, um, minds that 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 they can. Uh, kind of choose these type of rationales, which I don't think they can. I don't think that's possible. With the way I saw it, 
it didn't seem like it was a mercy kill. He didn't shoot her or harm her. He smothered her. He shot, he shot and killed and violently killed everybody else yeah. that we saw. For her, he suffocated her and it went quick. Right. So to me, if you're angry or, or, or it's, it's something that, that's hurtful to you, then you're probably going to do yeah. it a lot more violent. That, that was the, the difference in the how um, he killed his mother kindly, I guess, if you could. Like if you were doing, what do they call it? Euthanasia or something euthanasia, like that. Euthanasia, yeah. If he was euthanizing yeah. her. But it is after that moment that he truly becomes the Joker and he transforms. And similar to Malcolm X, actually, every personal transformation comes with a new haircut, a new hairdo, a new look, a new way about you. So Malcolm X and the Joker both carry themselves differently after they transform into who they're going to be. And yes. some people just choose to dance down the stairs to a Gary Glitter song afterwards. <laughs> just like in, in real life, there are times when you can stop somebody, right? So he was crying out to the social worker. He's crying out to this um, imaginary relationship with yeah. his girlfriend. And he's crying out to his mother or he's crying out in so many different ways that this could have easily been averted in terms of of how he he saw it. I was listening to something. This was a while back when I first um, saw the film, and it was very interesting. Somebody said that, oh, you know, he the only way he interacted was with women and mostly with black women. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, huh. It's saying something about yeah. the socioeconomics of who's on the bottom, right? Uh -huh. um, you're on the bottom because you're crazy. <laughs> We're on the bottom because we're us, right? Yeah. And so that was a different conversation that was interestingly woven into the, the concept of the film, which is kind of comparatively to Malcolm X, it was, it was different, right? The black Muslims say, hey, we're going to set ourselves aside. Like, listen, you don't want us around? Hey, mm -hmm. no problem. We'll opt out. And yeah. then they were like, oh, hell no, you can't opt yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, what yeah. do you mean? You like, wait a minute, either you want or you don't. There's a lot of discussion of does this handle mental health responsibly? I don't really care if it's kind of like the violence. It's a For me, it's a movie. I don't care if you're extremely responsible or irresponsible. I think it, it was, was realistic in the sense that, and uh, for me, this does come down to a simple class issue that's in this Gotham society, you have a society that's not taking care of people with mental health issues, and so you're going to have ramifications of that. I love his journal where we see in his journal that the worst part of having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. There is this expectation of people who are mentally ill to kind of pass over as if they are feeling okay. It's almost like you're not allowed to express the <laughs> symptoms of your mental illness. Yes. Um, one of my favorite comedians, uh, Lavelle Crawford, he has a, 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 a stick <laughs> where he talks about his cousin or brother that's mentally ill. And, um, you know, it's you're like, hey, stop acting retarded. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and it, it's a, a cultural thing sometimes where, you know, you better stand up and act right. <laughs> you know, when we go in the store, you better get it together. But like you said, it's not about it being politically correct. Yeah. It is not handled carefully um in this in this it just kind of brings brings it to the forefront yeah. and gives you like a look into a world and it just kind of uses it as a layer as opposed to like this is clearly not about uh mental health this is an excuse and so for me the reason why i say it's an excuse ask yourself this question mm -hmm. if joker weren't crazy right or excuse me Z. wasn't mentally 
Right. And Mm -hmm. he was um, an active part of society and he was um, the Wall Street guy. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Would he still be the same person in another world? He could really be those guys. Yes. But for the mental illness that he had, but for the, you know, luck he was handed. So to me, that's where we get that um, fine line of are we really talking about mental health? Are we talking about you being pissed off? That you don't get to achieve Mm -hmm. what others that look like you achieve. You can't be a great comedian. Right. Although the violence is stark and realistic, there was fun violence when he did kill the two um, yuppie preppy guys on the train. That was fun, and it seemed it's oh three of them. It seemed you're right. It seemed righteous in that moment. So it could have gone the way where he's like your anti uh, American psycho, Mm -hmm. where he's killing uh, purposefully for class reasons rather than just kind of personal striking out. And that moment was the, the last kind of fun, violent moment. And the rest got a lot darker after that. Um, but I, I see that this could have been a totally different movie if it yeah. had gone down that path. Yeah. I mean, I think people did find themselves cheering for that. Now Wall Street is the big bad guy, right? Yeah. But in Wolf of Wall Street, we're, we're cheering for, uh, what's his name? Jordan, <laughs> whatever yeah. his name. Again, we go back to time and place. So I think that it was righteous at that moment. Mm-hmm. It fit, you know, um, that, that goes a good storytelling as yeah. well, meaning we earned it by the time we got there on the train. Yeah. And we felt for uh, Joaquin's, Joaquin Phoenix's character where we were like, you know, they are really, you know, they're not, he, this guy's different. We need, we need you to recognize that. And they're just, yeah. you know, so they just, he, they deserved it. And, and so we earned it for the movie. Yeah. Did we earn it in real life? Hell no. We haven't earned the right to for capital punishment um, for any reason. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal and the character in general, there was a depth to the character where I had sympathy. And I think it illustrated real social, cultural problems we have in society. The fears people had that this is a person people would identify with and act out in uh, copycat violence. I think we're unfounded. And for me, the final scene that kind of puts this all in perspective is the scene with Murray Franklin where he shoots him. Because this, this, the dialogue, the monologue the Joker has isn't this impactful, come-to-Jesus, uh, great monologue. He actually is revealing how shallow his perspective is, where he says, I'm not doing this for any reason. He says, do, do people like Thomas Wayne know what it is like to be men like me? He, he gives a very sad performance um, and then just shoots the guy in the face. So he's not this eloquent Shakespearean. Um, it's not like a, that network moment. You're, you're not on his side in that moment. You're just sad for him. Yeah, I think that that's the danger. That That is the part for me to continue with the reason why these killings in, in the movie are, are much more irresponsible uh, than... And I hate to call it irresponsible because I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't want movies to have that that sort of obligation. I want them to be able to be art. But unfortunately, people are sheep. They don't read. They don't think a lot of times. Um, and if you're mad at me, I don't really care. I said it. People do look to yeah yeah. You know you only you don't take the opposite side. So like you actually may feel some sort of camaraderie with the Joker, but do you also think like hmm. Maybe that that's kind of crazy. Don't shoot the person that you're going on, you know, in front of yeah. live television. So in that particular scene, when he goes up there, 
it was shocking for me, which I'm not usually shocked. Mm-hmm. I didn't it, I didn't expect him to kill himself like he planned to do, but I definitely did not anticipate him killing the murder character. The part that was much more sinister was that is his transition. He had permission. His mother is gone. He had nothing else to lose. He'd already killed all these people. He had the wind behind his back with with the rest of the people. And so they put the battery in his back and he just went on and he's going on to become whoever he is uh, forming to be. So the the next (laughs) rendition of the Joker, which. That's what violence is like in this world, though. It's sudden. It's fast. It's unexpected. And it wraps uh, and up. It's, and it's complicated, and that's why I appreciated it. That's To me, that's what made this a good-ass movie better than your average superhero movie because I got a different range of emotions watching it. So, you know, there are stupid people out there, so there are Nazis that watch, say, Romper Stomper or American History X, and then it's like they never saw the third act of the film, which says this, that's all bullshit, bad philosophy, and they all end up loving those movies. So there are stupid people who will watch this movie Maybe use it in some way. I don't think this is going to incite violence, but they may use that in their worldview and and Mm -hmm. be violent people in general. At the end of the day, I think uh, culture reflects us more than it influences us. So I did appreciate this overall. You think so? You think you still you're sticking? That's your story. You're sticking to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I appreciate you for giving people that much credit. That's great. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for that rhetorical kind of way of putting that. Yeah. No, I, I do. That's no. This really is a very hopeful outlook on society. I don't have it. <laughs> well, do we want to? We want. Do we want to talk about Malcolm X a little bit before we compare the two movies? Please, by all means. Um, I'm not a big biopic guy, but when Had I had you ever a, seen this? Yeah, it's, I saw it um, on VHS in that double double shell pack VHS when it first came out <laughs> yeah. at the video store. Probably haven't seen it since it first came to VHS, uh, so it was a rewatch for me. But I'm not a big biopic guy, and this kind of hits those biopic notes where it's like this event happens this event happens this event happens and even though you might have a larger thematic structure it doesn't really fe- always feel like a movie to me but this movie it's very cinematic and it's almost like it's like in three acts you get his early hustler days uh you get his kind of prison transformation days and then you see the the civil rights leader that we all know now and um i think it's a the kind of movie that is what this would best serve is showing this to kids who don't know who Malcolm X is, and it kind of encapsulates that time and that person. Yeah, it was it was epic. And so, in full disclosure, um, I am Malcolm X, by the way. <laughs> I am Malcolm X. I am Malcolm X. <laughs> so um, it was extremely impactful. I read the autobiography of Malcolm X in the fifth grade. The Alex so, Haley. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I recently bought it for my son. <laughs> and so to see it on the big screen um, at this time during this era was very inspiring to see Denzel Washington's portrayal of Malcolm X so respectfully was something to watch in person. And it was different than the book, clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like you said, it was a cinematic look at his yeah. life that hadn't taken place and it was done very respectfully. I think it was done a little bit too respectfully um, at some points, and it wasn't very honest in in some of his life and and his um, controversy. So sometimes, when you're telling your own story, you know everybody's a hero of their own story, right? Yeah. And so you don't get a chance to see 
uh, where your faults are. So he learned his faults later on in the movie, which was a good cinematic arc for the film. But while he was going through it, he was a lot more reflective in life than it was in this film. The privilege of history is that you do get to kind of refract the bend of historical events so that you can be tell the story of what you want to be in the future and we see that so much with white american history where we rewrite the founding of this country and everything and so i think it is fitting and appropriate to distill a, a person's life like malcolm x life to what was he going for what was his point and how did he impact the world and so I I did feel like it was responsible in the sense that you got a strong sense of where he came from, who he was, and where he was trying to shepherd, like, black people in America, too. Without a doubt. You could tell that Spike Lee put his heart and soul into the movie, Mm -hmm. meaning he did not um, take one beat for granted, nor did Er (laughs) Ernest Dickerson, nor did uh, Denzel Washington, everyone who participated in this felt like this was an you know the most important thing that they had done to date yes. and you can tell it it was left there on um on the screen yeah. um so much that when you see Mel, uh, when you see Denzel or when I saw Denzel for many years I only saw Malcolm X it's a tribute to to that sort of film thing it's a historical epic ass movie and like you get like <laughs> great great costumes great period pieces you get to go Absolutely. to Egypt so you see all that and I I struggle to see who else could have played this character as well as Denzel Washington. Right now, now, like how can you, right? Yeah. So um, he kind of <laughs> dropped the mic after that was over with, with the uh, Malcolm X um, character. But if you haven't read a note of what Malcolm X was about, heard any of his speeches, watched this movie, what we're told in history is the glib, very glib view is you have Uh, Martin Luther King, who's like the nice guy who deplores violence. And you have Malcolm X, who's like the tougher guy that inspires violence. And this doesn't do justice to either person who uh, Martin Luther King, towards the end of his life, uh, he came to see instances where violence or more aggressive defensive action is justified. And Malcolm X, although he um, died a very violent way, in his life, he wasn't a very violent person, especially mm-hmm. after his conversion to Islam, and he, in fact, uh, preached peace. Um, so I think that's why the, the people who should be seeing this movie are people who have a very glib idea of who Malcolm X was. Malcolm X was always very consistent in um, being self-interested, mm-hmm. right? Because no one else is on black people's behalf saying, hey, you know what, you don't need the approval of of this thing. You can do it on your own or we can do it together. They they did the same thing. Malcolm X and Martin Luther King became a lot more connected (laughs) ideologically um, at the end, which was a problem, clearly. And unfortunately, we don't know what that would have been, right? Yeah. Um, Same thing with, excuse me, the Black Panthers. So you got to demonize these people who... You know, we're saying, hey, no, you know, we're not saying go out and kill anybody. We're saying protect yourself from the oppression. And so that that story, here's where we're talking about revisionist history is not ever told to the masses. And you're right. The people who need to see the story don't want to because let me tell you why. Because we need to see the Joker. Like I need to see myself reflected. This doesn't look like me. And to me, this looks like 
you're getting rid of me as yeah. opposed to not me because I'm clearly uh, the melon rich, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so they can't identify, whereas I can identify, you know, with a Joker character yeah. and a Malcolm X character. Uh, but yeah. can you identify and see yourself through Malcolm's eyes or can you see yourself through both lenses, right? I, I personally can in the sense that Malcolm X, the Joker, they identified problems in this in this world, the, yeah. both through things that events that had happened to them and events they saw. They both had an opposite approach, whereas the Joker became chaotic. Malcolm X became very controlled after his conversion to Islam. He prioritized his self behavior. His he became almost an impeccably perfect person in what uh, moral standing and that's what he inspired in the people around him to, to follow kind of these nation of islam laws and so it's you could not assage his personage because he was impeccable didn't drink didn't smoke none of the white man's uh vices didn't fuck white women anymore and that's what he went to jail for as they point out in the first place not the burglary but the fact he was fucking white women with his friend yeah. um so yeah. it's like you that's couldn't clearly. you couldn't impugn his character we're, we're going to make our own world on top of this world uh, separate because the white man's world um, is one of violence. So the question that you end up having to ask yourself, right? Why is it we can look at it through that same point of view, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, don't fuck the white women. Don't do this. Don't do that. But how come that very same I idea Right, which is what happened to him. So this is where it differs from a movie yeah. as opposed to a, a life story, right? Um, those were the things that ended up being his ultimate downfall. So because of what he experienced with uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, mm -hmm. right, and him, you know, being in <laughs> infidelity, having infidelity issues and babies yeah. all over the place, that devastated him, yes. right? Because he took yeah. this to the the height, right? He thought that, you know... We were doing we're doing this together, and yeah. you come to find out that your heart's broken, that the person that you looked up to so much doesn't even believe it. Yeah, so, so he, it's all a con too, you, yeah. you know. That ended up ultimately being the downfall. No, he wasn't in this movie. Forgetting the real story, he wasn't he wasn't wrong, and he went about it responsibly. He splinters off from the Nation of Islam. He goes to charter his own Muslim group. He wasn't necessarily wrong, and I felt he was trying to be respectful. I didn't say it was wrong. I said that was life. Yeah. Meaning, in real life, in a movie, it probably would have happened yeah. a different way, right? But in in real life, that ended up being the thing that ultimately yeah. fractured him off from his. You and know. like and like we saw with Martin Luther King, um, I don't want to blame the Nation of Islam necessarily because. We saw that they implied in this movie that the FBI may have had a lot to do with that, too. Uh, we know the FBI had um, agents involved in Nation of Islam and the Black Panthers and stuff. So Malcolm X dies violently, and it highlights a the splinter and the fissure he had had with the Nation of Islam and possibly, like, FBI infiltration. I, I will talk about a quote that I don't know verbatim. But I know that Booker T. Washington said it, which mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Booker T. Washington's ideology. But he said something very um, telling, and that is on both sides. So whether it's uh, Malcolm X uh, fighting white supremacy mm -hmm. or whether it's um, Martin Luther King trying to, you know, love us into <laughs> a new a new way of seeing the world. Yeah. Is that you 
that black people never get a chance to fight white supremacy because we're too busy fighting amongst ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so you just don't even have to because it's that intrinsic in this culture. And so unfortunately, it's easy to infiltrate, whether it's uh, yeah. the Mus- the black Muslims or whether it's, you know, whatever Martin Luther King was doing. It's it's unfortunate. And it's consistent to this day. It's happening yeah. right now. Yeah. So To that point, though, the moment Malcolm X breaks off from Nation of Islam, as the film beautifully portrays, he goes yes. to Mecca, and he has almost his second religious conversion where he relearns how to Absolutely. incorporate his Islamic faith into his life. And he says, I, ate, I broke bread with white men. I ate with them. And that he's starting to be more nuanced in his version of race. So when he comes back to the States, he's, whereas earlier he said to a white woman when she said, what can I do to help? And he says, nothing. Now he says, we're going to work with white people in this new organization. And similarly to Martin Luther King with before he died, when he said, we're going to broaden our our scope to uh, for the poor people's campaign, yep. Malcolm X is now opening up and seeing that this is a conflict, not necessarily that's white and black, but it's a it's a conflict where there are it's not necessarily all race. Right. So it's interesting that both these men were cut down at a time when they were broadening yeah. their their perspective and their um, organizational goals to be inclusive of more people. Well, I think that is also telling of, of, our, of our own state of mind, right? Get outside of your own comfort zone and see what, what's out there. The only way that you can understand the world is by going to see the world, right? Yeah. You leave here, whether you're black, white, or other, and you go abroad, you're an American, period, right? You're not, you know, oh, that's Danielle, the black person. No, that's Danielle, the American, or yes, Jared, the American, yeah. because in, in the world... You know, it is nationality that, that makes a difference. So it's a tragic point of view to see that that, that, that light was squashed from, from both sides. Mm-hmm. I will say this, though. If I'm ever anywhere and I hear someone yell, get your hands out of my damn pocket, I'm di- <laughs> I'm hitting the floor. I'm oh, yeah. hiding. You better. And he knew. Um, yeah. You know, and they knew go, They knew that day. Everybody knew that day. Yeah. From, from all, all perspectives. Um, but the film, let's talk about the movie. Spike Lee, not for nothing, at this time was one of my favorite filmmakers. Mm-hmm. He could do no wrong, do the right thing. She's got to have it. School days. You know, he went on Jungle Fever. Um, just epic classics, you know, not so much now for me. Um, but then at that time, you know, he was really dialed in. And so his portrayal of of Malcolm X and taking his time with that story and giving him being honest about yeah. his criminal history. Yeah, uh, was was very great, and to s- get to see all the way to Mecca was such a journey. His strength, right at the height yeah. of of his power and, and and influence, was a feat. Now, to compare it to the Joker, <laughs> and why I think is a good point to to compare these two fringe characters, mm-hmm. because even though now he's such a revered figure the joker um, you're talking about i'm talking right. about malcolm oh malcolm X. Yes, yeah. we're, very yeah. <laughs> we're not revering the joker <laughs> jared unless you have a whole oh, different okay. a okay. different t-shirt you got like yeah. joker x or something yeah. what are you doing i am i am joker <laughs> so um for him to have he him to be an iconic and revered character now he wasn't so much at the time yes. of his um yeah existence unfortunately you know you can look back and we talk about things all the time that don't hold up his rhetoric holds up 
mm-hmm. to this day. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, it's almost like a foretelling of what's going to happen now. Yeah. Joker, in the similar way, is showing us, it shows us, mm-hmm. you know, how if you don't pay attention to those around you who are marginalized, like <laughs> blacks yeah. uh, in this in in Malcolm X's uh, world in the '60s, right? If you don't pay attention to that, mm-hmm. then you are going to probably end up in a place where um, you don't want to be. It kind of shows you, gives you instructions for how you can live your own life too. Like you can be a person that has had evil and violence uh, inflicted on you, or a person who has observed evils and violence, and you can react two separate ways. And what I love about Malcolm X is he looks to his philosophy and he looks to his personal character and he acts forthright in a way that is much better to me than lashing out and harming others. You know, in his writings, in his speakings, in his approach to his teachings, they were always very thoughtful. Yes. Um, Whether it's his own perspective, he he qualifies it and makes sure that it's not as self-involved that's shown through throughout the movie. For example, he knows that he's a charismatic character, right? Mm-hmm. Or a charismatic being or person. There's a scene where the young man wants to become a part of the nation, oh, yeah. but he's he's in um, enthralled by the power uh, that they demonstrate at the police station, right? Mm-hmm. When these kids get beat up, and so that is a draw. But he is protective of him to say, "Hey." Why do you, you know, why do you want to do that? And that is... He puts him in check. Yes, and that's telling. And I think that's a a good character, a good characteristic that isn't often seen. Somebody usually at that that sort of would would want to bring anybody in. any recruits, bring them in. Like whoever. Yeah. Yeah. But But he's like, like, that's not for everybody. It's like Fight Club (laughs) where they make you stand on the porch for three days. So you got (laughs) to... Exactly. The end of both these movies ends in an act of violence. One, the Joker's perpetrating. Um, in the other, Mal- Malcolm X, it happens to him. In both movies, you really feel the impact of that violence. So today, I was um, listening to a documentary on Malcolm X, and Betty Shabazz, his wife, was talking about it to a reporter. And they showed the graphic images after he was killed, and I cried. Like, this was a long-ass time ago, um, and it hurt me today. Today, it hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much because they killed him, but because they that he knew and because um, that it was tragic in terms of what, he had else, what else he had to give, right? So it seems like such a weird combination to put Joker against such a— iconic figure but if you start to think about film in terms of how it it reads to people how people are allowed to think this is what people read now people read movies right and so if you start to read the joker in a similar fashion you're going to start to see something as similar as two characters isolated from this world but trying to make a way and forge a path Mm -hmm. right and it's tragic that Malcolm X had to die over some petty-ass shit. And Super really, petty. the Joker, his finality came over some petty shit, too. You could have yep. extended a helping hand to a hurt, broken person, and 
But unlike the unlike the Joker who will go on to make a sequel and kill many more people, I'm sure they'll up the body count. Mm-hmm. Um, Malcolm X doesn't get that chance, does he? Not only that, they actually killed a part of that sort of activism. Yeah. That's and what, that was a point. That's what really they cut down when you cut down these great leaders is you cut down the movement that's behind them. That's, that's right. Do you remember who came after him? Uh, in the Nation of Islam? Mm-hmm. It was not Farrakhan? Uh, it was Farrakhan, and then it was Khalid Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a time when he was on Donahue. <laughs> I watched it a couple weeks ago, and the funniest thing about that was I had never, I don't remember seeing it, mm-hmm. but it was, he was even, he was even more militant than Malcolm, which yeah. I didn't think yeah. was possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, Farrakhan is a, a very charismatic yeah. uh, person, but he is very similar to Malcolm X, but he took what Malcolm couldn't, that, that, that harshness, yeah. and he softened it. But Khalid Muhammad, right afterwards, yeah. Um, they were like, he went hard in that particular way. I, I encourage you to look him up and check right. out that Donahue episode. I, I'm always up for a good Donahue yeah. episode. <laughs> Love Donahue. Very, I, I was like, you'll never see this yeah. on TV this day and age. It will never happen. But I'm going to say I wish there was, yeah, I appreciated everything Malcolm X had to say. And to me, nothing he said was out of bounds or as it was depicted as dangerous, violent language or anything. Like what really fissured him from the Nation of Islam is his after JFK was assassinated and he said that's chickens coming home to roost. Mm-hmm. But name one thing about anything he said that was wrong. And he, what it, he had a very simple message um, as a nation, as a, a, a white race, when you put evil into this world, you're going to get evil reflected back to you. And Specifically, JFK, who accelerated uh, the Vietnam War, was putting violence out into this world as a man. Mm-hmm. A violent act then fell up- upon himself. Right. And was not as, you know, he was <laughs> not as uh, pro-black as, as people would like him oh, like no. to believe. He was no, actually no. the opposite. So and uh, rich and wealthy and, yeah. you know, entitled and all that other stuff that we could see now. Um, yeah. but, but he was... Uh, ahead of his time I, I think it was yeah. probably timing he said that at a time that you know uh that he was expressly told not to say that yeah so that was a <laughs> you know a totally different type of rebellion but yeah. you know that's the kind of person that he was right but i think the lesson though too is when you're a malcolm x figure and you're reviled like that anything you're going to say is going to be twisted and used as a weaponized against you so why not just keep it level and keep it real and really uh, speak truth to power. Can power be told the truth? Well, yeah. I, I just wish uh, now. Mal- you said X, yes. It, it, it can, but like you, but power you can be, be told down. the truth. Right. So you I'm saying no, down. basically yeah. is yeah. <laughs> no, you, you can say it, but like, in the, like in the modern equivalent, if mm-hmm. Malcolm X had Twitter and he put that on, on Twitter, he'd have his count <laughs> suspended by right. Jack. Exactly. And He'd be Twitter banished rather than shot down. He'd probably be both. And then be shot down. Yeah, then be yeah. shot down. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think that um, where we are with in, in this world now, we could look at both sides of the, we could look at both sides of the coin and we could say, um, it's always good to remove yourself from, from both things and, and look at it objectively. 
Um, I can see flaws with with Malcolm X and his approach. I can see flaws clearly with the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but I couldn't see them at the time, which this goes back to uh, Malcolm X's character and the reason why I said that the Joker is so is so dangerous. So let's say I'm, you know, 14, 15 years old and I'm watching the Joker. Yeah, I'm not a grown person in having life experiences. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm X did form my understanding and who I am and how I see the world, right? Mm-hmm. So in that same respect, somebody this year might, you know, a younger child who doesn't know themselves quite yet, maybe see themselves hanging out on the fringes of, of society and they see themselves through this character and this is how you solve problems. Um, unfortunately, there is no context to movie. There's so much information out there that is harmful at times because even when I took my son to see you, who probably plays the most uh, violent video games in the whole entire world, was like, oh, mommy, that's pretty violent. Yeah. Which I thought it was a shock to hear, you know, a young person who is deals with, you know, these crazy violent video games. And go home and shoot a bunch of people right. online. Yeah. Exactly. But he doesn't know them. Yeah. Right. That's that's those are uh, animated figures. Um, these were characters that you were supposed to be built up and known to love. Yeah. You don't do that to people. It was a mom. Yeah. <laughs> are you saying, are you suggesting that if my son goes crazy, he should kill me? You know, but I'm saying it's at a, it's at a time when a mind is formidable that sometimes you have to be careful of what you yeah. put into it. You, you made me think of and remember why I saw Malcolm X in the first place and think of myself as a youngster. Because mm. uh, I, if, I, if I can t- say an embarrassing little aside... I remember the reason I uh, rented and uh, f- uh, watched from West Coast Video and watched um, uh, Malcolm X was I was watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air one time and Uncle Uncle he Phil had the X hat, huh? <laughs> Uncle Phil uh, berated um, Will Smith's character. He said, "Will, do you even know why you have that Malcolm X poster on the wall? Do you know anything about the man?" And just berated his character, and I felt like Uncle Phil was uh, berating me. So I went out and edu- rented uh, the movie. So I think the lesson is if you have a kid in, in, in your life, make them feel ignorant for what they don't know about history and watch a good-ass movie like Malcolm X. And like This is a movie where you can actually, I feel, this, unlike a lot of biopics, does respect to the history and the man. And it gives you um, a full picture of the man's philosophy and how they got to it. And sprinkled throughout, you get the, the big moments, the big speeches, um, so it's very successful in that regard to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, clearly you can't, if you Google Malcolm X, you could see um, a probably a good year's worth of his speaking mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with no problem, Yeah, which is um, very wonderful. That's that's the gift <laughs> of social media. Um, and, and the movie is very light, like you said, of his ideology. You got to kind of see him mm-hmm. do it as opposed to hear him say it. Yeah which um, I kind of respect a little bit more. It was more of a action adventure. It works uh, as a movie. It's an enjoyable yeah. ass movie. It's fun. It's funny. Yeah. And uh, what we didn't mention is it's bookended by um, Rodney King and Nelson Mandela, which fitting for this film kind of happened right around before um, its release. Um, you had the, the King beating and then you had um, Nelson Mandela released from jail. So, Spike Lee got to include those moments uh, in the movie, much like with uh, Black Klansman, where you put the um, Charlottesville events and stuff in there. But you got to that that current events brought into it and 
you joked with the I am Malcolm X, but it, that is, you get the goosebumps at the end when everyone's saying that. I think that was the point at the time, right? Like mm-hmm. that you wanted to inform a generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, we're going to, if we're going to go with cinematic, um, Malcolm X holds up. It is um, a very serious movie, yeah. but very enjoyable mm-hmm. to this day. Um, that is the any movie that could stand the test of time like that. Um, to me, it says that that those filmmakers um, took that that kind of care. So, yeah. I uh, hats off to Spike Lee and his amazing team and amazing financial backers who oh, yeah. came up with the uh, balance they, of that money to make that happen. Yeah. Cause the movie was going off the rails and they had, you had to have like, I think um, went Oprah Winfrey and Cosby and a lot mm-hmm. of other people. Well, you know, and Spike Lee himself invest in the movie. Yeah. What, what happened was it didn't go off the rails. They sold it um, into international uh, markets yeah. for less than it would normally. They undercut ah, it. So some white supremacist malarkey. Yes. So it was like they sold it for $8 million as opposed to 20 like they would normally or something like that. Yeah. Uh, don't get me uh, right on these figures. That, that just left them with a $20 million or so deficit yeah. that they had to come up with because it was undersold in the international market. And the equivalent is nowadays they would make him re-edit it for China with like <laughs> exactly. different dialogue and everything. Um, so do you want? Do we want to commit to what's the wokest and the wackest here? It's a draw, right? They're both really Man, woke. Man, they're super yeah. woke. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing whack about either of these movies. I but. think uh, I was a fan of both. I couldn't call. I would never call Malcolm X whack. I would, yeah. <laughs> I, same way I wouldn't call Joker whack. As a matter of fact, I, I think Joaquin um, Phoenix he wins the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's. We didn't give him enough credit how we delightful he is to watch, but give. I mean, that laugh alone, his commitment to that weird ass character, um, and his transition into the Joker was was so enjoyable for me. I want to go dancing with him on Girls Night Out. I want to yeah, cut a rug with Joaquin I'm, Phoenix. <laughs> I'm gonna let you. Yeah, I'm going to let you do that and report back. Maybe you can go to karaoke. But I want to go on record first and say uh, Malcolm X is the wokest, Joker is the wackest. I'll I'll take a stand. Yeah. I don't think that – clearly, um, they don't compare. So we just had to have a reason to pull – Two biopics about important American figures. That's disrespectful. (laughs) I should slap your ass for saying that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay. That's the story you're sticking to it. Mm-hmm. I'll say that Malcolm X is uh, the wokest and Joker is woke. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. Fair yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we let's talk a little bit of behind the scenes. You mentioned budget problems in this. Uh, Malcolm X was, of course, direct written and uh, well written from the uh, book by Malcolm X himself and Alex Haley. Um, and there, there was a earlier screenplay by Ronald per- Arnold Pearl, uh, but then Spike Lee, of course, directed it. And like you mentioned, he was at the height of his powers at this point. It was like a sixth film. All of his touches are in this movie. Um, the, the, my favorite being, of course, the gl- gliding down the street without taking that. a stride. I love it. I, I could go, I could watch every moment of every movie like that. Um, but it had his touches. But I would say he almost pulled back a little and went with a classic. This is an epic film. The cinematography is gorgeous. The oh. editing's excellent. The production design's amazing. 
Um, and every in every scene, he almost every scene, he puts his camera in just the right place. So, yeah, um, Ernest Dickerson shot the hell out of this movie. Um, uh, sometimes you leave it all on the on the stage, and they did um, with this. Um, I think that it makes a, a huge difference um, that um, black people are telling their own story. Yeah, um, I'm not. Uh, uh, there were rumors clearly that this was going to be. Uh, a white director uh, earlier on. This was, you know, a property that people wanted to tell, just like they wanted to tell the Martin Luther King story, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you know, not for nothing, the story of Ava DuVernay's version of Martin Luther King pales in comparison um, for so many reasons. Um, but this being told in such a way um, by such a strong group of, of, of people who clearly have worked together before a team. I think that that synergy is shown on film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to compare it to behind the scenes, the cadre of people who made Joker, um, you know, it's looking a lot, lot wider when you look at them. Uh, but Todd, Todd Phillips, a lot was said about him <laughs> get, running up to this film about, Oh, he's going serious now. But of course he had, it, when Hangover came out, the big word was, the, oh, it's shot like a um, gritty action movie, but it's a comedy. So we know he always kind of had an eye for this kind of cinematography, this kind of tone. Um, and he, to me, he didn't dial the channel as much as he's, he's getting credit for with the Joker. And I think his film previously this was like War Dogs or something, which... Starsborn. Stars, he did, Todd Phillips did Starsborn? Okay, yeah. so he's been flexing his tonal muscles for a while. and That it's, was very... You know, you know me. Yeah. I told you last year, I was. That what? was such a great movie. Starsborn. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't seen any of the Starsborns yet. Uh, well, I've never seen the original, which okay. is probably why I love this one. Because <laughs> okay. everybody who did thinks it was shit, but I thought yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> came home and cried for a whole weekend, um, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think this film, uh, Joker Scorsese nearly directed it, and there was a falling out or something, and it's funny now that he's having the whole beef with comic book movies, but it was almost a Scorsese film, but instead we got a Todd Phillips film that just looks like every other Scorsese film. <laughs> right. A lot of... A lot of um, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I really can't stand um, green-tinted movies, which there's so many of them, and this was one of them. I bypassed it for the story. Um, but this uh, color palette that a lot of films tend to take yes. on that have this um, kind of moldy, you know, maybe they think that that's in, in lieu of... The sodium gels and the... Yeah, so it might be a thing like, oh, this is supposed to give you the feeling of the 80s. It just makes me sick, and I hate 70s it. I'd say 70s more than... It, I, I appreciate it. It gives me that feeling of the... No, it's it, fine. It's, in, it's made it the movie, whereas Malcolm X felt like... A, a grand epic in its own way. This felt like that gritty seventies film yeah. in its own way. So it was already like, I, I get, I get the reason it was well used here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I liked his, and you know what? I want to go back real quick. I liked his sessions with his social worker. I thought those were probably uh, the most telling parts yeah. of, of this film. Yeah. Um, and, and who he was. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I have a final thought. I have All a final right. question, actually. All right. If we didn't mash up Malcolm X and the Joker, what would you mash up with the Joker? Um, oh, with the Joker, not with the Malcolm X? I'm going to ask both. Okay. Uh, what would I mash up with the Joker? 
God, it's with superhero genres. That's really hard to say because we don't get like um, quote unquote black superhero movies. And so if you're going for superhero, I mean, you don't have a lot of options. You got like Spawn or the Black Panther. Or so you're going to go and real you specific to that. you definitely don't that. get these anti-heroes. Well, the first place Well, that's what I was going to think, like anti-hero, if you could think of a black anti-hero. Okay, forget it. Let's extend it because we know we don't make black movies like that. Let's just <laughs> talk we, about we uh, any though. other. Let's go with Nacho uh, Libre, right? Joker? Well, go anywhere. Joker? So, yeah, to mash up with, with Joker. Um, I would compare it to one of the 70s movies. It's, ref- it's kind of refracting, so like, King of Comedy or Taxi Driver or something like that. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Serpico. <laughs> yeah, Serpico. Uh-huh. Serpico's my boy, though. I really, I really, I, I really root for Serpico. Oh yeah, heck yeah, I totally rooted yeah. for Serpico. Um, okay, okay, Malcolm X. So would you? The quick answer, top of my head, would be like a JFK. Uh, yeah, I knew you were gonna yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. So that'd be the yeah. the chicken roosting chickens edition of black and white movies. And both three, we we that's like a commitment for like a lifetime. You're like watching eight hours of film yeah. with both of those movies together, right? Although I'd say Malcolm X is much more successful as a film. And and JFK doesn't really tell the tale of JFK, but right, it's his um, name's in the title, so yeah, it's um, a different take on uh, on that. Okay, you didn't answer you didn't answer your own question, but that's okay. Oh, I didn't know I was I I posed the question. I don't want to because I don't think I have any ideas. I think the only thing that came up for me was kind of like a Dolomite. Yeah, Um, if we're gonna do some sort of random character. Another great bio, biopic, yeah. Not really, but it was um, another wonderful biopic. <laughs> any of the black exploitation movies, I would probably mash up with with the Joker. That's the only thing I yeah. have left. That's the only thing left, yeah. right? I don't, I can't think of anything else. I think it, the Joker mixes better with Petey Wheat Straw than Dolomite. Oh. Let's ask our let's ask our um, listening audience if yeah. you think you would mash up a different title with the Joker or Malcolm X. What would it be? Yeah. Yeah. So, and the way you will get in touch with us to ask us that is you can, hey, you can email us. We do have an email at blackandwhitemoviespodcast at gmail.com. And of course, reach out to us. Join us on Twitter and Instagram at BNW Movies Odd. 